Hello and welcome to the Alien Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. My name is John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan. And today we're looking at Minute 63, which begins with a shot of some spacesuits and lockers and ends with Jones the cat making a run for it. And we got Jason Heck back again today. He decided to grace us with his presence for a third consecutive day. Which the was... Jack Burton to your two Wang Chis. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I was born ready. Born right. ready. Well, so we got a great minute. We, we got do. a really good minute. We have a minute that is now neck deep in a horror movie. We yeah. have an, a minute that is driven by this perfect suspense engine of the malfunctioning tracker. It's, it's, I love this minute. So this minute begins, roughly begins, with a, what seems to be a POV shot, would you say? Yeah, we don't know exactly whose point of view shot it is, but it, but it certainly is an independent, unperson-connected pan across some lockers with some big numbers on them and then some spacesuits kind of hanging there, and it kind of continues to pan left, and then we cut out of it. Yeah. It's a beautiful shot. Yeah. Now are the, num- the numbers are Mobius, right? Those oh, they're are... Mobius and they're Ron Cobb, both of them. Both of them? If you look at early concept art, um, the early Nostromo drawings, Ron Cobb all had giant numbers on them, too, and, and obviously Mobius loves that look. And I was saying to Mitch off mic earlier that this idea of the big numbers, it, it seemed to be pretty um, in vogue in design in the 70s and late 70s in particular. And for me, the first memory of it was the casual attire of the G-Force crew from Battle of the Planets. They, you know, without the bird, when they were out of their bird, superhero bird costumes, right. they were wearing jer- what appeared to be jerseys all the time, yeah. each with a different number. And that's what this screams out to me. I'll see your G-Force and raise you Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds? Did they also have numbers? They sure. big numbers. But they were Thunderbirds 1, Thunderbird oh, 2, That's Thunderbird right, the Thunderbird right. up, up through 6. In national rescue, we, we're going to need a, a rocket and a space station to help rescue people. God bless the Andersons. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally on board. That's you're, you're, It's interesting. Um, you're right. The numbers, I don't know that they mean, you know, they don't address anything. They don't appear to mean much. Um, they don't even, are, are they in sequence? It's what, a 15 and a 16, something oh, like that? I what the numbers exactly are. I think are. it's a 15 and 16. It is 15, 16. That's which right. could mean, I guess, part storage 15 or part storage 16, but we don't see any other numbers anywhere in there. But they're in quarter 12, aren't they? They're in quarter 12. I'm not sure if there's any correlation between those numbers. Oh, look at Siri, the GPS guy right here, but, giving you know, us directions on throughout the Nostromo. I'm, I'm going trying. back to some stuff you were talking about, I think it was the last minute, maybe two minutes ago, about the background and the color choices for the background. Here we have stark red. I mean, is this just your classic warning red that we're getting in the color design and the set? I mean, the rest of the room is still that bleak kind of black. Yeah, it's red or orange. Up. It's, I mean, Somewhere that might there. be my, like, s- somewhat colorblindness. Could but be yes, a, but... a psychological trick, right? I mean, red's danger. Red's almost never meant anything good for anybody. A flashing red light never means anything good, as Homer Simpson will tell you when he applies for a loan to buy that <laughs> RV and the and the flashing red light goes off at the computer. And Homer says, is that a good red light? The guy says, Mr. Simpson, have you ever known a flashing red light to be mean anything good at all? <laughs> so it could be it could be that simple. Um, it certainly looks really good. The movie, you know... I guess that the choice for this sort of clunky future may, means it ages really well to me. And um, and these choices on the lockers, you know, while they're not really explained, given where they are in this giant what looks like storage room uh, 
parts, storage, locker, anything else, it, it makes perfect sense to me, even if I don't know exactly what it means. It's still, it, it looks good. And I think the red, because it's so different from any other color in that room, yeah. even the spacesuits, I think, are sort of a bland tan and white, yeah. reminiscent of their the crew's jerseys and jumpers. It Yeah, it could be as um, kind of just some tricks, like there's something dangerous ahead. Kind of maybe even a little callback to our hazard symbol. We're getting it piece by piece now. We're getting this hazard symbol on the door. Now we're getting this hazard warning red with the lockers. This is a tricky section. It's tricky. This, the, whereas the chestburster stuff that preceded it was so horrific and just kind of direct and shocking, this sequence is, in its own weird way, kind of playful, you know, yeah. because it's 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 embracing the haunted house thing. It's mm-hmm. embracing the, is something going to jump out and scare you? Are they going to get it? Are they going to work together as they move in, close in on this thing? And the, the movie's only possible connection to comic relief, Brett gets gets a little moment here as well in our, in this sequence, not necessarily in this minute. But, yeah, I think you're right. It's sort of – it's there's some <laughs> – there's some catharsis, obviously, in a "boo, just kidding" moment, and 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 it's great at, at putting your putting your audience kind of off guard and showing off the comedy chops of the hapless Harry Dean Stanton, so or we, certainly the hapless Brett. The ha- Harry Dean Stanton is far from hapless. He is certainly not. I think we've all seen Red Dawn. We've seen his moment at the chain link fence and yeah. the drive-in. He's anything Crushing, but hapless. We know that. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe you made that. Make Avenge me think me. about that again. Avenge I'm, me. Avenge me. Sorry, I'm going to have to collect myself for just a second. I had not get, thought about that scene. Get it anymore. wired. Get it wired. So uh, we get another moment where we're playing around with uh, uh, the functionality of this tracking device. Mm. Uh, Ripley still, she's mm. not down with this tracking device. She talks to it. She actually talks to it this time. She still doesn't trust it. It doesn't seem trustworthy. Um, but you know that don't fail me that she says yeah. you have to really pay attention and be watching, listening for it, which, you know, kudos to the direction of this movie that, yeah, it's there. And yes, it's emotionally truthful, but it's not it could have been really cornball. It could have. But yet she sh- in the moment when we you know we see her shaking it and all her faith is has to be in this thing. That's 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 the only thing that's that's. Uh, as far as they know, keeping them alive, this organism is small, but it could be incredibly lethal. We, we, God knows how it was born was incredibly lethal. So here she is waving it around. It just crapped out 10 seconds earlier when they entered this room. So the signal's getting louder. Our sound design, we're playing up the tracker. We know that it's louder and whatever it is is closer. And even then, she's giving it a shake. Like, we, you know, we've all banged on our old TV, not our new expensive flat screens, but... We've all, you know, banged on something to get it to work, whether it's, you know, giving your, the hood of your car a thump or an old TV. And, and so that lets us know, again, this is clunky technology. It's the future, but sometimes giving it a good shake is going to fix it. And that's what she's doing. And she's, she, she's terrified. Right. And the line, you're right, Mitch. I think it could, you could construe that line. It's mixed in the sound mix well enough that it's not too, like, on the nose and corny. Like you said, it might be, and it could have been. But what you're saying about she she has to have faith in this thing right now. We could have just had a moment where she just shakes it. We get it. Like, fine, she's shaking it. She doesn't trust it or she needs it to work and it's not working. But her giving that line gives her the character moment. Because she knows the things right in front of her. I got it. You got to come through for me. Right. <laughs> it's almost like a prayer, right? Yeah. I mean, she's the, and you have to remember that everybody in this ship, the remaining crew, are terrified in their way. Even Parker says to Brett, 
don't creep up on me with that thing. Yeah. Right. He whispers that as they walk into the room. So everybody walks into this room really on edge. N- nobody, nobody is at the least bit comfortable with the situation that they have, including this prod, a net, and a, and a tracker that doesn't work. We are all Lambert. That's what that says to me. We yes. are all uncomfortable and uh, and totally out of our comfort zone. And, you know, we're truck drivers in space. This isn't what we're doing. As Parker said much earlier in the movie, I'm not trained for this kind of duty. Well, this is the ultimate example. None of them are xenobiologists. None of them are zookeepers. None of them are soldiers. And they're going after something that is incredibly lethal with a jury-rigged radar thing that can't detect a door right in front of it, apparently. Um, and, yeah, it's it's really terrifying. So it's it's almost like she's praying. You know, she's begging the thing, please work until I can zero in and capture this thing. And then she might as well have said, and then, you know, break all you want. I just need it right now in this moment. Please work. And, it, again, it's the trackers, this great suspense thing. It works, but only when the script wants it to work, right? And yeah. it's unreliable at just the worst times. So. so as they all close in, coming closer, uh, eventually there's a great shot of the locker with the net coming down in between the camera position and, and the locker at the shadow that it casts. Uh, and then we, we get sort of a clean shot of it as uh, Ripley Parker, falls back and yeah, Parker and Brett man the net. Yeah, and Parker's hand sort of comes in as if to, as if to open the thing. And then we get a sound cue of it opening, but we don't see it open. We get a sound cue of it opening, and then we cut to this very quick reveal. Something blocking our view falls out of frame, and there we're in this gigantic close-up of this cat. In the, Biggest close-up we've seen in the whole really movie. Mad. Really and mad. It's not a hiss exactly. I mean, how do you describe this? A sound? screech. It's, it's a, a hiss and a screech. And it is. He is furious. He is terrified. Um, cat probably senses something. We know later that he certainly kind of has a kind of feline danger sense. And um, he he knows that this is not... I mean, the cat strikes me as a bit of an asshole anyway, right? I mean, Ripley loves the cat. No one else really seems to care much about the cat except Brett, I guess. But the cat's kind of, you know, he's a mascot. We feed him, you know, when we remember to, that kind of thing. And he is really not happy to be confronted with a flashlight and a net and a cattle prod when he's just in his little knocker, his little locker nest that he is, his, you know, his little cat hiding place. Who knows? He may have run across the alien already and is really upset. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's he's what hiding he's from doing it. in there. Yeah. 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 Well, well, I mean, the question is, how did he get in there? I didn't think about that till just this second. <laughs> what if did, the alien locked him the in there to get him out of the put, way? It came from warning the crew. The what if the alien, alien put the cat the in the lock? Right. He butts Jones. the door closed with his little alien head, his little fontanelle, and he he twists the locker latch with his little steel teeth, and the cat, you know, I, he's stuck in there. He can't warn the crew, and the crew also doesn't speak oh his language. Oh, God, Jones. So this that is, had to be horrifying. Yeah, terrible I, experience. Wow, through wow. the eyes of Jones. Uh, that's an amazing documentary that we should probably look at kickstarting um, at some point. Through the eyes of Jones. You might not be aware somebody wrote a fan fiction book about Jones's point of view on this. I'm not I, seriously? It. Yes. I did I've a, seen it. I've forgotten the name. I hadn't thought about it until you just said that, and I remembered a friend of mine sent me a link to it on um, – on Amazon, it's like a self-published book or something. Oh of gosh. course, it's a self-published um, book. So, just like all of Mitch's tribble fiction. <laughs> well, come on, <laughs> we're supposed to talk about that. 
<laughs> oh, through the eyes of the trolls. Uh, there's something that we kind of stepped over something I wanted to talk yeah. about. Um, and that's this moment. So getting back into we're talking about horror movie tropes mm-hmm. or even just movie tropes in general. There's this moment where Ripley gathers everyone around. We get the net ready. She's leading the team. We've established that. And she says when something effective, when I say go, wait till I say go. Well, and she says, okay, now I expect, maybe it's just me. I expect him to go now. He's pretty deliberate. He huh? takes a long time to open <laughs> that thing. I'm thinking that this is that heartbeat. Boom, boom. Okay. Now open the door. Cat scare. Not at all. Right. It's another one of those cases, right, where we're holding back again. We're pulling off the gas a little bit again. We're taking away what you expect to have happen for the sake of suspense. And to me, it makes me nervous. I I am frustrated by how slow he's going. Yeah, let's go on three. And, in fact, you go on seven, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that makes the jump scare all the more effective, I think. Yeah, because it's quiet leading up to it. So, you, you, as you said, you let off the gas. You you kind of halt the intensity. And... No music, no nothing, just silence, and then the screech of the locker opening and the louder screech of the cat saying, "What the hell are you doing? I'm trying to sleep," or whatever he's saying, and or "Oh my God, it's it's in it's on the ship. Can you guys hear me?" And then yeah, it's it's a pretty amazing moment, and it's definitely the first kind of haunted house goofy through the window scare. It's a cheap scare, yeah, but it's also probably a necessary one. It 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 gets everybody. Terrified, there's payoff for the suspense, and it brings them back down again just in time to get their asses kicked a little bit later. What they used to call in the 40s a bus, a, a bus, bus scare, yeah. because Val Luton, Val Luton did that in Cat, Cat People, People. Yeah. where the bus came into the frame with a big loud hiss after a very, very quiet lead up as she walked up the sidewalk. And that's the old, it's the old trick, and, yeah. and we're in the tricky section. So how many more of these kinds of Boo scares, bus scares, hand through the window scares, whatever you want to call them. How many more await us as we move ahead? Because there's a great release, you know, there will be a great release of tension uh, as Jones, after Jones has bolted out of the room, which we'll get to in the next minute. So I got to ask, you drove like a bat out of hell to go to Wichita to see this movie opening night. Do you remember this scare? Yeah, sure. The theater go bananas? Oh, they went nuts. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, this was, this was the... This and and again, it's after the chest burster. I think they were feeling just like the crew. You know, they they had been slapped in a way they didn't expect to be slapped, and so when this one happens, it was a scream and then it was a laugh. I mean, everybody everybody kind of ah, you know, everybody acknowledges that it was there was no menace to it, mm. and yet it's going to jack the tension back up again. Uh, we don't know how. Right. That's the trick. Now, it does release tension. So it's up to the storyteller to move us into the next part of the of the narrative and somehow build that tension back up. And we're going to see that happen in the next minute. And work on you. Did you shoot out of your seat? When yeah. You oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Would have worked on me, too. I mean, I saw it on, you know, like I said, I saw it on a, you know, a VHS copy at home, um, probably at 84, 85. And uh, and it worked. It worked on me on my, you know, the 19 inch Zenith. Uh, and, you know, we turned out the lights. We we're, you know, dudes trying to scare ourselves. But uh, it worked. It worked. So I can't even imagine in a theater packed with people primed to be terrified. It must have just been spectacular. A fond, fond memory. You have anything else for this minute, guys? 
That's it for I'm, me. I'm interested in Mitch's Tribble project, but I'm going to let that fall till I guess we talk about whatever minutes are in the closing credits. All right. Well, you can find us at AlienMinute.com, or you can follow us at AlienMinutePod on Twitter. We're also on Instagram, and we have a listeners group on Facebook. I sometimes forget to mention that. Um, tune in tomorrow. That's the end of 63, so tune in tomorrow for Minute 64.